You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Vox and Hops Brutal North America is brought to you by Indie Merch Store. I'm not afraid of hearing the words no anymore. Yeah. I'd rather ask and get that thought out of my head than, than have it sit there and be afraid to ask. Yeah. But don't take no. <laughs> sit with no. Wait six months and hit him again. Because your entire life can change in six months. That's wise. You can almost conceive and have another child in six months. Close to, like close. Maybe you didn't know you were pregnant and you found out two months in and shit, I have a kid now and I want to do this show, you know, or think of what can change in six months. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious week so far. I most certainly have been because Brutal North America is in full swing. It's coming at you. 23 unique craft beers which have been brewed by metal breweries will be dropping from june 21st to the 25th for vox and hops alumni that's right the past guests of the podcast unique band collabs which have been curated by myself i think this is amazing i'm so stoked about this get ready because brutal north america is coming at you people before we jump into this episode i would just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review. Why do I want you to rate and write a review? That's because when people are looking to find a new podcast, what do they do? They scroll down, they check out the reviews, and if those reviews reflect their values positively, they will most probably give that podcast a chance. People's time is precious, so when selecting a new podcast to dive into, those reviews really help sway people's decisions. So if you write a review for the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, you could actually be the person that turns someone else into into a Vox and Hops head. And that would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. Now, in today's episode, I'm with Dewey Halpas of the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 269. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it all. And then I, yeah. You got the sweet microphone too. Look at you. <laughs> it's my stage mic, which is really ridiculous that I have not invested more beyond that. But <laughs> that's a true story. That's excellent. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> it works. I love this. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dewey, have, Mr. Dewey, help us. Do I have your permission to record your audio and video for my of podcast? Course. Box and of course you do. Here, I'm going to do that it. I'm going to do it on my end too. We'll put this up. I'm sure you don't have a cryptopsy mic uh, box there, but like that would be amazing if you started <laughs> using that. I've been wondering, did you make that yourself or have it made? Yeah. This thing? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's just a silly little sticker that we stuck on. Dude, that's rad. I got this made. Actually, my wife is the producer of the podcast, and I was uh, my first time doing like a bunch of press at Heavy Montreal, which is now. One presenting a bunch of the, my podcast yeah. episodes, uh, she was like, "No, you you got it. You got to get a mic flag. You you can't just go backstage and not be you know have a mic flag and present yourself properly." So so Jessica is amazing for stuff like that. So the small little details and it works. And I go to bars because I used to do it at uh-huh. bars, and you know it, it looks a little bit more professional. Okay, so. it looks great. I just didn't know where they came from. Like I was looking up like how do you 
even get these things. I guess you can just make it yourself. I thought it was like That's a exactly legitimate thing. Like you had to buy it and have it printed and all this stuff. Like I've never <laughs> used one. No, no, it's super cheap. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> you can get them for those size mics yeah. too. Cause we've been thinking of upping, you know, cause Vox and hops was a, a remote thing where I would never do, do it like this. It was always supposed to be backstage in a tour bus yeah. at a bar that was Vox and Hops, and I would never even imagine doing it remotely because I felt like there'd be no connection. So, so I would have never, you know, that's why I've never, we, we're just thinking now. Uh-huh. You know, I just bought a charger for my Zoom two <laughs> weeks ago. Is that the H4N? <laughs> yeah, I've been using plowing through batteries <laughs> this, whole, this whole pandemic. It costs 20 bucks for the charger. I really, yeah. <laughs> So, so this is how where my mindset is, you know, like now we're realizing, okay, I guess this is going to stick around yeah. for a while. So we may as well invest. So you've been doing this two, <laughs> two years, two and a half years, something like that, right? That's correct. 2018. How many episodes are you putting out a week? I drop two uh, episodes a week, sometimes three. Okay. I put out about 11 episodes a month. Because the last episode I heard of your show was the, the Corpse Grinder episode. And it was like episode two hundred and. 40 something or something like that. And I was like, but you've been doing it two years. I was like, wait a minute. What? Cause I was like, I'm on 213, 214, 213. And I've been doing almost like four and a half, but then I'll do like, yeah, you started in 20, 2016. Yeah. I'll do like blasts of like 10 episodes in like 10 days or like, and then like one a week usually, but we've been putting out two a week the last couple of weeks just cause we have so much in the can, but uh, it's crazy. It's what a time to be a podcaster who would have thought that a pandemic would help our podcast so much yes that's the thing like that's weird about it is i don't know how much you look into podcast numbers and stuff and like trends i don't but when the pandemic hit i was curious about it so i looked into and it showed that like podcast content went up but listenership Mm. dropped because no one commuted really Uh, so that morning commute afternoon commute where people would listen they were doing other things and that took a major hit to the actual listenership. But everyone and their brother started a podcast during the pandemic. That's true. And most of them have stopped <laughs> now, I think. That is also true. I, I equate the, the podcast thing to like gym memberships where they'll start. And then like two months later, like ah, that's a lot of work. It is a so lot of work. So if you want to start a podcast, wait till March. <laughs> Just like you would joining a gym. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been looking into exactly how long each episode takes me. And I think it's somewhere from like from start to finish, like me reaching out to a guest or a publicist hitting me up about a guest mm-hmm. to finishing, you know, finish my last post for it is about six and a half, seven hours of work. Wow. That's insane. And you're doing two of those a week. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's a passion. I love, I love it. So, so, so I much. do too. I, I just, I don't, I don't, um, I guess I don't edit at all. So like I, and I always like, I was shocked when we scheduled this so far out. Cause I was like, okay, like I'll mm. put it on the calendar. Like that's way out there, like months out there. I usually book the next week and maybe the week after. Really? Like I just had, I just had Morgan from, uh, Kitty on. Oh yeah. And, she yeah. She's great. She's such a good guest, but she's like, how about mid April? And this was in like end of February, or end of March. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. I guess we can put it on the calendar for then. <laughs> Great. And that was the first time I've like scheduled something out. Cause I'm always like, okay, next week's open. All right. And I reach out to all the people I'm in talks with. And I'm like, how about Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. And we'll set them up and just knock them down. 
But if I go look further out than that, it weirds me out. I don't know what it is. Like I can't commit that far out to like multiple things. Like with this, what we're doing, that was one thing. It's like, yeah, absolutely. We'll do it on that date. But if I had like multiple stuff, like every week that far out, it makes me feel like I'm in a box. Like I, like I can't schedule other things. You know what I mean? Like it's weird. Like, I don't know. I think it's easy with the pandemic because we can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like that, 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 that works for, for me yeah. now, but it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I totally get I have to stop booking because mm-hmm. I'm people ask to be on the show. I'm like, I'm available the last week of August is basically where I'm booking now. It's insane. I, I, I can't, I have to stop booking. It's, <laughs> but I, I feel very, very worried that I'm going to run out of content for some reason. Really? Okay. At least I did not anymore because obviously I have everything yeah. stacked the way I do. And, uh, and I, I sort of go with like projects, which helps me like sober February. I, I wanted to talk to a whole bunch of artists uh, and people in the industry that are sober mm-hmm. or are recovering. So that was something that I, I planned like months in advance and from there and now I'm working on a huge project for June. So so that really just like stacks me a few months in advance always. So so it's I guess for a while, especially at the beginning when I had the podcast, I was chasing, chasing content. I hated uh-huh. that. I so so I much rather have a stacked calendar. Sure. I agree. Finding balance is something that I've really been pushing myself to do. Me too. Me too. Like if you <laughs> say everyone canceled from here to August after today how many podcasts would you be able to release like how many do i have yeah. recorded i probably have about a month and a half's content okay cool so you're not you're not in dire straits that's got to feel good oh no yeah yeah, okay. yeah i love that i love that and now i'm at the point where i can do less i do only i only record episodes twice a mm-hmm. week now which is something that was very refreshing and it gives me time to I, right when I slowed down is when I took on a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. for the big project I'm launching in, in June uh, called Brutal North America, where I pair metal breweries with Vox and Hops alumni, the past guests of the podcast, to create killer collabs for their bands. Uh, right now, as of right now, I have 22 collabs coming Holy out the shit. last week of June with uh, 22 breweries all over North America. And I'm hoping to get 24 because here in Canada, we, we sell beer in a 2-4. We call it a 2-4. Uh-huh. So, so I want to hit 24 it's going to happen. I'm still hustling to get a few, but uh, it's really cool. I, I'm very excited. We're going to have mini docs. I'm working on it. So I have all these meetings for things like that. Now that I've slowed down, I have time to do more things. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like other things, doctor's appointments, uh, meetings, maybe something big happens. Like, man, I would love to jump on this, but wait a minute. I got seven podcasts yeah. this week. Like having that freedom, you know, to look out a little bit. That's great. Then there's the burnout, the zoom burnout. It's a real yeah. thing. I don't know how, how if it has affected you yet. No. It makes me exhausted sometimes <laughs> just going, doing too many interviews, um, hosting Thirsty Thursday, mm-hmm. which is another thing I do where I hang out with people on Thursday nights and drink craft beer and talk about life and metal, a uh, beautiful community that has grown there. But doing all these things on remotely like this, it is easy because mm-hmm. I can jump out of my family and into my family in a heartbeat, which is amazing. Yeah. And I love, love that. Yeah. But I find it draining, draining, much more draining than going and talking in real life. Sure. It, it, for me, it's similar. Like if I do too many, it, it, it's too much of a good thing for sure. I, I schedule less now just because I want to give space and, you know, respect the episode. Like not be like yeah. another like notch, you know, like yep. in my mind, I feel like a lot of podcasters collect, like they try to collect guests like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. 
like it's weird like they they like have to get you know these people for this reason and it's not like a genuine curiosity it's like oh man if i got that person this episode's gonna be huge but it's never that way and you can't collect people you got to respect people's time you got to respect people wanting to come on your show and i feel if i schedule seven podcasts in a week i can't fully engage with any of them Mm -hmm. so i have to spare spread it out a little bit just for my own my own sanity you know i could do seven a week i could do 14 a week physically but mentally i can't commit to that much you know and be invested some of these go two and a half hours and are extremely like deep like to where i leave here and i'm just kind of sit in the car for a second like whoa like what just happened and others are just lighthearted and fun and i walk out of here like overjoyed but i always get home like satisfied like i feel like it scratches an itch so i do enjoy doing as many as i can but i have to find that balance like you're talking about like that's the the big key i think Mm -hmm. and then and finding balance to rest Mm -hmm. too and it's okay not to do something it's okay not that's something like a an entrepreneur like a running our own stuff Mm -hmm it's it's hard to disconnect and my wife being the the producer of the podcast every conversation can tend to be a business meeting so Mm -hmm. so we sort of have to find a moment to not be doing vox and yes absolutely (laughs) that's my sundays i try to make sundays a day where i don't do anything yeah that's good to disconnect my see my wife has to hang with the kids when i'm doing this so she goes absolutely bonkers like it's just like she's taking them out somewhere (laughs) to hike or something today and uh yeah it's it's wild man it's it's wild and and being able to find balance being able to find um you know a commonality all that stuff like you go into every one of them you never know what's going to happen i'm always nervous just because i don't want to waste anyone's time like i'm never nervous Uh to talk to people like there's never really been a time i've been legitimately nervous to talk to a guest because of who the guest is it's usually I don't, you know, I don't, hopefully this doesn't suck because if it sucks, I'm not going to put it out. (laughs) And then I wasted an hour and a half of their time, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to crack this awesome brew. Dude, I saw that on your socials last night, night before. Yeah. That's your own deal, right? I'm so stoked. That's right. This is my collab with uh, Overhop Canada. Uh, it came out last fall, and they just rebrewed it because it was so damn popular. They're talking about making it a mainstay beer, which makes me very Dude, excited. That's huge. This is a. That's so cool. I love and I love the brewery. They're just they're just the nicest humans ever. Uh, based out of Brazil, they moved up here into Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, they're killing it. They're killing. They got their own facility finally, and uh, that's how they had the flexibility to squeeze in an awesome collab for my two-year anniversary. This is Vox and Overhops, and it's a 7% uh, double dry hopped New England IPA. They got Vic Secrets, Enigma Hops, and Citra Hops, and it's killer. Killer. I was there on Thursday mm-hmm. uh, helping them can it. It was super fun. Nice. Dude, I had my last drink in 2007 and that was, I feel, I'm, I feel not guilty about it, but like I had all my drinking years where I was so young, I was drinking like Pabst and, uh, you know, Budweiser and, um, Henry Weinhardt's and stuff like that to stuff we could afford. And then we started touring and it was shortly after that, that I stopped drinking, but like, I never really experienced the craft beer scene. Like it was never a, so I feel like I missed a lot of things, but then also I live in the Pacific Northwest now. So like 
apparently the water is a big deal on what makes beer great. And apparently we have some pretty awesome water here and that's why a lot of breweries here are so successful. But I've never, I've never been through that (laughs) scene. Like I've got out of it (laughs) way too early, but, uh, for my own, for my own well-being. but like, I kind of feel like, well, shit, I missed the boat on that. Cause it was like, now everyone's like the craft beer thing. It's like when Starbucks started coming around, like all the coffee, like if I go to order coffee for somebody, I don't drink coffee either. So like, I have to read the text message to the barista because I don't know where the first drink starts and the next one begins you know, or ends. <laughs> so Dave Shapiro and I have a big joke about that because I I grabbed coffee. We met on the air, uh, the runway here in Portland while he was gassing up the plane and I brought him Starbucks and he literally sent me like a paragraph text message of what they wanted. And one thing they had to do, they had to heat it up, like steep the tea and then cool it down to be iced in a drive-thru line. So I had to be the guy in the drive-thru <laughs> people waiting 10 minutes for this drink. So I bought the person's drink behind me and I was just kind of waved like, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's at a very slippery slope, the craft beer thing. So, yeah. so if you had a problem, it's best that you're not involved in yeah. it at all because it's dangerously delicious yeah. and beer has evolved into something that's, uh, gorgeous mm-hmm. and uh, sweet a lot of a lot of the hype beers that are going on that are hooking people in are extremely high in sugar and, and these these pastry stouts have like chocolate and vanilla and are throwing actual pieces of cake into it it's, it's craziness yeah it's crazy <laughs> and there's more alcohol <laughs> it's in crazy, it right but it's so yes here in, in quebec montreal quebec um they have a limit of 12 percent ABV. Okay. But some of the ones in the States that I've had, they go up to 15, 18% and you'd never know that it Good was there. Lord. So dangerous. Chris yeah. was saying something from that one time on tour was saying something about Mountain Dew in Canada. Like caffeine can only be in dark soda. Is that a thing? He said like Mountain Dew didn't have caffeine, just sugar in it in Canada because it wasn't a dark cola. That sounds familiar, but I don't know okay. anything about that. It's actually. off topic, yeah. but I, w- I thought that was crazy. Like, I love Canada. I love I love so many things about like food wise about Canada. I love the chicken chips and pepperoni and ketchup chips. Like all it's all basically chips. Yep. But you guys, got <laughs> Trailer Park Boys is my favorite show of all time. So when I don't know if you've seen that show, I but, was love oh, it, dude. love it. Corey, Trevor, chips now. Chip smokes. <laughs> when I'm heading down to the LC, I was like, what the hell's the LC? But the liquor commission or whatever. Like, it's just like, yep. King of Donaires, all this stuff. I just, I've been through Canada maybe three times and it was always like jump up from Detroit, play a show, jump up from Seattle, uh-huh. play a show, or drive to Alaska. So yeah. there's convenience stores and that was about it. And venues. That's it. I've I've done I've done a full Canadian tour a few times. Wow. It's uh it's it's long. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you got to drive a lot to hit the next city. So that's why Canadian tours are yeah. tough. Especially Ontario. Ontario is so big. You don't even realize how big it is until you're driving through it. It's just endless sometimes. Have you guys have you guys done Alaska? I have never been oh. Alaska now. That would be must be special and different. It is. And they probably don't get a lot of shows, so they must really love they it. They do. It's you're you're the best band of the year when you come up there. Like they get like five or six shows that are big. You know, like Ozzy would go up there, White Zombie, Pantera, Red Hot Chili Peppers, like big bands. But then I saw Fishbone at this little club called Gigs. It was one of the first shows I ever saw, and it was incredible. 
And I walked in, I walked in, I was so young. I walked into the back room to go to the bathroom and it was my first time at gigs. And I didn't notice there's like a back room backstage area by the bathrooms. I went in the wrong door and you've seen that movie. Um, uh, what movie is it? Black sheep with Chris Farley, where he walks mm-hmm. into the yes, room of course, and, yes, yeah. uh, the band is all like, everyone's just stoned and staring at him. And he's kind of like, Oh <laughs> shit. That's exactly what it was. I walked in is all fishbone. Everyone, the room is just full of smoke. And I was just like, this is real. Like this happens. Okay. <laughs> it was great. Was that your first time backstage? First time backstage. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was more exciting back then. Now we just sit around on our phones. The whole yeah. Time. Yeah. Backstage <laughs> used to be fun before camera phones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. yeah. Now, no, one, no one does anything anymore. No. It's just hanging out. But uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You guys got to go to Alaska. You got to play up there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how big the metal scene is up there still. Like I've been removed for so long, like 20 years, 20 years. I've never heard of anyone going to Alaska. Dude, maybe, maybe that would start it. You know, I know there's, there's like a metal scene up there, but it's local bands, you know, but when a metal band comes up there, people freak out. Um, At least they did when I was up there in the nineties. So it's been quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why did you start podcasting what really got you into this you, you obviously were someone that always asked questions that's why i got into it yeah um you, you know you hit it sort of like right at, as it was exploding mm-hmm. you know 2013 was really when podcasting really exploded you came in at 2016 yeah. uh what were some of your your influences why did you start a podcast i'm curious uh well it was basically i, I when i stopped touring it was 2007 and I just got a normal job, started a family. And I just like, I was not soured on music, but I was just kind of done, done touring, done with, and I didn't go to shows. Like I didn't do anything. Like I'd been immersed in music so long. Like I lived at a venue while I was touring. I worked at a venue in between tours. Like I just wanted wow. silence, but then I had kids and it's like, well, that's out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to do something creative still because I wasn't making music anymore. And I just kind of felt stagnant. This weird feeling like this weird, uh, uh, compulsion to like create. And I, I was at work and I had a, my radio going or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to look into what this podcast thing is. So on my iPhone, I had a podcast app. I clicked into it and I just kind of started scrolling through. There's like, there's music podcasts in here. And I think the first one I heard was uh, maybe it was Mike Herrera from MXPX as a podcast because I recognized his name. And then I looked and he's talking to Chris from the Ataris. And I was like, okay, I used to listen to the Ataris, put it on. I was like, this is, he's literally calling him on the phone and talking on the phone and then putting it out. Like I could do that. So I talked to my wife. I was like, have you like listened to these podcasts? She's apparently she'd listened to one for years just like two friends that sit around and talk to people in their, in their living room. It was like called Keith and the girl or something like that. So she'd known about him a long time. I didn't know. And, and um, yeah, so then I just was like, I could probably do that. But then I realized I didn't know anything about audio because I was always on the other side of the glass. I was always performing the music. I never cared about producing or anything else. So I was like, what is it going to take to do this? So I reached out to like 20 or 25 people uh, friends of mine from the industry or people that I was curious about and 24 of them said yes. So then I'm like, shit, now I have to start. Now I have to do it. 
I don't have any of the recording equipment. I was like, okay, what mics do I need? What recorder? So I got the Zoom H4n um, and like a Blue Yeti microphone, mm-hmm. which is uh, cardioid and like, um, uh, so it, it picked up everything in the room, which it took me a long time to figure that out. So you can hear everything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started knocking those interviews down and then figured out how to host it and put it out. Just looking at YouTube videos basically on how to do it and made it work, made it happen. And then um, pretty soon after that, Matt from this band called Emery, who he does like a bunch of podcasts, um, heard my show and was like, hey, would you want to talk to you know, Jabberjaw about this, the network and Mike Mowry and I got on a conference call and, and that was it. Like he brought the show on and we probably talked every day since. So that's amazing. That's how it started. And then just started to grow from there and just being consistent with it for over the years. Like people know it's going to be there in their catcher. Um, they get used to your style. They get used to, you know, they like to see how you navigate, which guests you have on. Um, and then, it was, it was basically like, um, I used a lot of publicists at the beginning when I ran out of like immediate friends, then I kind of shied away from that. And now I kind of go off recommendations from other guests and, Oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Oh, well let's connect. And that's kind of how it's been going for the last year. I think I've used maybe two publicists for two episodes of the whole last year. Everything else has been people like, no, you should talk to this person. Okay. And it's been kind of navigating it that way, which has been really fun, like a way to change it up for sure. That's amazing. Definitely when when I launched Fox and Hops, uh, the Pure Pleasure was absolutely one of those influential ones. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because you know your style, just just being so laid back, open, listening, the listening mm-hmm. factor. I, I listened to a bunch of podcasts before launching Fox and Hops, and and a lot of hosts talk way too much. <laughs> they don't actually listen to what their guests are mm-hmm. saying. And that was something that I really wanted to do with the podcast. So, so definitely I looked up to, you know, what you were doing. Uh, there wasn't that many back then. So, so now there's a lot, lot more. Yeah. And uh, the fact that you're still going is amazing. Uh, and then, you know, Jabberjaw, that was like a goal mm-hmm. for me. I was like, I want to be on Jabberjaw. That was like, I, I make these goals mm-hmm. in my mind to, to reach things and evaluate if things are working, yeah. <laughs> if my plans are actually viable <laughs> <laughs> and Jabberjaw was there. So, so when sound talent launched last year and Jabberjaw was a part mm-hmm. of it, I was like, this is amazing. This is, this is something is working here. So, so I was very stoked about that. And now you also teamed up with equal vision. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in that. Well, how, how did, how did that ha- happen? What did that mean? Okay. Cause I was looking at their website and it's like a bunch of artists, bands and, Pure Pleasure Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a really interesting one too. And first off, thank you for the kind words. And and I, I'm stoked that, that we were an influence to what you're doing because I love what you're doing too. And I had no idea until that uh, Corpse Grinder episode that you'd only been doing this two years. Because looking at the episode numbers, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, he's been doing this as long as me. Um, and I heard of the show through Sound Talent. So I'd seen the name, like the logo and stuff but I hadn't actually heard the show until uh, sound talent, which was rad. I'm stoked that it came through it that way. Cause we're on the same team. You know what I mean? Um, well, well, excellent group of podcasts. Very stoked. It's fantastic. Talent. Fantastic group. And, and just the awesome like family atmosphere. I really like it, but, but thank you for, for that. Um, I, I, that means a lot hearing that 
especially from someone else that's actually doing it and someone from an established band that's been doing music forever also is a huge, huge compliment hearing that from you. I appreciate it. Um, so equal vision came. So there's a, there's a podcast called turned out a punk with Damien Abraham from Canada from the band fucked up and all his podcasts, all his logo and stuff says presented by vans. And I was like, I wonder if they're paying him if they're just covering costs or if he's just being nice, you know, like, so I was like, that's kind of a title sponsor, you know? And I was, I was just reaching around like, what if I got a title sponsor for the show that would cover my costs? Um, if I needed something that I couldn't immediately afford or, you know, shit, so-and-so wants to do an in-person in New York next week. Fly. I don't like, maybe there's someone that could help with that. And, so Dan and I have been close. Dan Sanchaw, Equal Vision, and I have been very close for a long time. Uh, my band, Anatomy of a Ghost, actually turned Equal Vision down back in the day and went with Fearless Records, which is the biggest mistake of my life. Um, but Dan <laughs> still came to every show. He he supported everything any of us ever did afterwards because he's just a good person. So Dan and I have been working closely together recently because um, I had brought him a band called Glacier Veins from Portland here, and Equal Vision signed them. So when we were doing that, he started listening to the podcast more, getting into podcasts more. And I was talking to him, like, like looking for a title sponsor, like, you know, how would I approach something like this? And he thought on it and he came back and said, you know what, what if we tried this? It's never really been done before, but I'm thinking this would be a good idea. And he said, what if we, you tell me what you need, we'll cover it and, you know, we'll make a split. We'll promote the podcast like a band because touring's done for now. So this is the perfect window to see how this works. Cause Dan really felt that podcasting is the next thing. Like it was still, it was already blowing up, but he felt with music specifically, like it was the next thing, you know? So now for me, like my costs are covered, travel, stuff like that. Things like, so I have a team now. If I need art done, I talk to Alan. If I need web stuff done, I talk to Kelly or Laura, like, but I need business stuff, bad cop, good cop, whatever. I talk to Dan. Like I have a team of people behind me like a band would. Like Cryptopsy, if you guys have something going on that you need done, you don't always have to do it yourself. You can call the label. Uh-huh. So you have backing for that. You have um, someone to bounce ideas off of. You have uh, a bigger net than you had before to cast out, promoting the show, getting guests, things like that. Um, it's kind of, it's a super interesting deal, but I've really enjoyed it. I also am in the, if you can see it, I'm in the equal vision West coast offices. Uh, That's my studio now because no one's working here because they're all working from home. So I have a private spot downtown to record shows instead of in my car. I've got, is that what you used to do? I've recorded most of my episodes in a 1995 Toyota van. Some in a 2008 kids are kids are wild. Yeah, exactly. So I would record <laughs> wherever I could. The side of the freeway wow. in the parking lot of my apprentice hall for plumbing. Like I conned them into letting me use a classroom for a little while before class. To, I did Keith Morris from Black Flag in there. Um, like anywhere. Like you can record anywhere. With the Zoom like you have and your microphone, oh, yeah, yeah. you can record anywhere. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've done it. That's why I got it. Yeah. People don't understand when I walk in for a, um, 
like an interview on a bus. And I walk in with like a little case or a backpack. They're like, okay, where's your gear? Mm-hmm. It's in here. Yeah. Oh, so this is going to be easy. Absolutely it is. I got a goddamn, this yes. is my, like a, a binder. You literally thing. put it in a binder with your microphone? Oh, yeah. I love it. And you can put a beer in there. Yes, or a few. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's essentially the deal with Equal Vision to where uh, having the team, having the family, um, you know, uh, they also then have an in-house record, like advertising uh, platform. You know, if they want to come and advertise on the show, they pay for it like everybody else, but they get a better deal. Um, but, mm-hmm. but they have it in-house like, hey, you know, let's what do you think about talking to this band this month or whatever records coming out? And there's a few I've said, no, that's all right. Well, I don't want to do that. So I don't have to take any of these, you know, the, the, any of these things just because they're on Equal Vision. But I've always wanted to be on Equal Vision my whole life. I'm not doing music anymore. I think I found my place in music doing this show. So now I'm on equal vision for something I did by myself instead of something I did with five other guys, which is in my mind is awesome. And I feel great about it. I know it's confusing to some people like, wait a minute, you're signed to a record label of your podcast, <laughs> but it makes sense in the long, in the long run. Like it, you can work a podcast the same way you work a band and it's people I know and trust and I can bounce ideas and know they're going to give me the straight answer. Um, you know, even with, with sound talent, like Dan and I talk first and then we go to sound talent, even though Dave and I have known each other for 21 years, Dan and I always talk first cause that's our deal. So we, we speak and then we go to sound talent with a unified, um, unified front on what we want. And it usually gets done that way or, or we get talked out of it, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's what brilliant. about you with your, with Vox and hops? Like you were saying, you'd, you'd heard my show at other shows. Like, what was the catalyst for you to start? Like, what was like the, the, like the moment you're like, oh, my origin this? story. Yeah. It was my, my wife's birthday three years ago at this point in April is her birthday. We just passed that mm-hmm. moment. Um, I was staying at home with my daughter for a year, uh, a sabbatical from work. I take care of little kids when I'm not screaming for cryptopsy. Wait, I'm an early childhood educator. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, 100% serious. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So I'm a day, I'm basically a daycare child care provider. Yeah. Uh, so I took I took a year off to take care of my mm-hmm. kid who was two going on or one going on two at that point. And we don't watch much TV with our kids. We still don't. And in Canada, the days get dark early yeah. in the winter, like four p.m. 3 30 sometimes it's dark and my wife would come home at 7 30 mm-hmm. 7 sometimes so that's those four hours of darkness when i couldn't really take her out it was long very long so i, I listened to just about every album on, on on apple music and or anything that i used to like I, that's when i realized that i still liked new metal uh-huh. too because i was a new metal child okay. and on that year i went back and revisited every album that i ever listened to so I listened to everything and then I was like, let's, let's check out these podcasts. I was a guest on the Jasta show. So I started with that. Uh, me and Flo sat down with him. So, so I started with that and I just dug through it, really enjoyed it. I uh, went to uh, Doc Hoyle next, okay. which is where I discovered uh, Jabberjaw mm-hmm. was through his podcast. Yeah. And then I went to uh, uh, what's Mark Marin's. What the fuck with Mark Marin? You were on WTF? 
No, 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 no. I'm okay. saying this is what I was, I was gonna to. say. I was like, holy yeah, shit, docs that's too, awesome. Docs too. Docs too. Docs too. No, I, okay. I was just listening, like going through, meaning just like listening yeah. to to episodes and stuff. And then I fell upon off camera with Sam Jones, and I love love his his interview style. He's uh, very well researched. He's extremely patient. So all that, I went out to dinner with my wife and. I always throw ideas at her and she likes to make me happy, find a way to make me happy. Meaning like if I'm upset in life and I have no uh, vision or, or project in mind, I feel like I'm a, someone that has to be busy. So, so I saw Cryptopsy doing well, but Flo had just told me that he was joining a band with David Vincent and Ollie, my bassist had just told me that he was joining Cattle Decapitation. Chris, my guitarist has his studio that's doing amazing the grid here in Montreal mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I, I was worried that, you know, Cryptopsy is still going to go around and be there. But I feel like I would have I would have been worried that that I'd be forgotten. Mm -hmm. So so that night, that night we came up with the name Vox and Hops, the concept, everything. The, the, at first it was called Vox and Locks because I got really uh -huh. long hair. That that quickly went yeah. away too. <laughs> Vox and Hops. I always asked annoying questions on tour. I was like that guy that would just sit there and pick at insecurities because i had a whole bunch of my uh -huh. own so so i would always well, mostly with singers like dig into how they felt on stage and uh how they deal with when they know that they're not at their top performance and what they do uh and i love craft beer so it was basically just like comedians in cars getting coffee mm -hmm. except it's metal musicians in bars drinking craft beer yeah and it, and it started like that and i did exactly the same thing i reached out to all of my friends at first I recorded uh, 10 interviews and then I launched in, in October and it's, it's just been rolling since then. And I think my first hundred were just friends yeah. and, and referrals. And then finally, I think my first was like episode 80 from a publicist was Ailstorm. Okay. And that was, that was the first one. And since then publicists keep hitting me yeah. up. I have a few key ones that I love that I make space for. Sure. But uh, yeah, the, but the, the referrals from friends is, is absolutely the, the way to go. Dude, it's it's word of mouth. Like a show grows from word of mouth, but guests come from word of mouth too. Like if someone Internet. like, uh, are you still? Oh, I see you, but you're frozen, but I hear you. Can you hear me still? It's so weird. Yeah, it happens sometimes. I'm actually the first Zoom thing that I did was uh, August Burns Red, and that was at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh -huh. And it was a disaster, just just, just the worst internet interview in the world. <laughs> just everything went wrong. Half of it was unusable. Yeah, I think like a 40-minute conversation became a 20-minute conversation at the end of the day. Wow. It was horrible, horrible. And that was like my first one. I'm like, this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> it's definitely weird. I got everything, out. everything else went better. Yeah, it's definitely weird, man. I've tried StreamYard. I've tried Zoom. I've tried... Uh, what's the other one called? It's like a, I don't know. The ones that record your local audio that are kind of cool, but mm. they, then you got to say no, download yeah, yeah, this, yeah. download Chrome, download whatever, so you can use it. Just everyone seems to yeah, have it's Zoom. sketchy, sketchy, sketchy for the artists. Yeah. Although now, now the Zoom apparently I haven't tried it yet, but I can make you a co-host, and then we can each record our audio on our own side. Interesting. And then that would be perfect. Yeah. You know, I haven't tried it yet, but I want to, I want to try that as opposed to, cause a lot of the time I, I send like instructions, you yeah. know, my instructions mm -hmm. of, of, of what to do and people don't read them or maybe they're not writ written properly. Uh, cause they always try to record their audio with their phone that they're doing the zoom on and it doesn't work. <laughs> it, it doesn't. I love that you put in there to use <laughs> headphones cause people won't. And then you get that like kickback or whatever. It's super annoying. Yeah. 
and I've done a bunch of interviews like that. If there are two people yeah. and there's no headphones, so I can't laugh because then my audio's in on their yeah. side. So I, I've like I've had interviews where I'm like <laughs> laughing, but I'm not really laughing because you can't laugh because like I know it's going to drive me crazy and post. After, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, dude, man. Well, what were we? We were talking. We were talking about uh, you. You had said you had, you were like. Episode eighty, episode eighty yeah. was yeah. through a publicist with with Ailstorm. Yeah. You said, okay. So, and then after that, like going through the word of mouth thing, um, it's the best. It's the best, yeah, because people are more likely to come on. You know, it's amazing how easy it is to get a guest through word of mouth than trying for years going the right the right way through these gatekeepers. Like, yep. Sometimes I talk to like three people. Yeah. Like it's Randy insane. from Lamb of God, I've been trying to get on for two years. We have probably 15 mutual friends. Every once in a while, I would like hit someone up like, hey, you should hit Randy up for me. And they're like, oh, I just, <laughs> I don't feel right doing that. And I'm like, dude, that's totally fine. I was just messing with you. But I would try to go through management, try to go through publicists, <laughs> stuff like that. And it would never happen. And then all of a sudden, word of mouth. Hey, it's who's who, who's asking me about this? Book it. There we go. Like Tim Bohr, book it. Okay. Yeah. And we get on and we became fast friends. <laughs> now we're trading, we're trading like book ideas and like things like that back and forth. And I was like, dude, it took me two years to get you on the show. And after an hour and a half, now we're just chatting. It's the weirdest thing, dude. It's the weirdest thing. And if you've never been in a band and like, you know, gone to a festival and met tons of your heroes, it's still, it's still weird. It's still a weird thing. You know, where you look at your phone and you're like, I hope I don't lose this phone because people are going to be pissed if someone picks this phone up and starts putting these numbers on the internet. Like it's terrifying, like to the point where, yeah, I was thinking that the other day I was looking for a number and all these numbers kept coming up and I was just like, Oh, like this should not, this shouldn't be out there. You know, it's a weird (laughs) feeling. I'm a plumber. I'm a plumber that talks to people on the internet. <laughs> like that's what I do. It's so weird. Was it always remote? Did you, you did, I've seen some photos of you doing it in person. Yeah, it was. It was. It started as remote, um, but then when I learned how to do, it, like my third episode was with Thrice, and we, I've been friends with those guys forever. So I was like, I was just supposed to have Tepe on, and for some reason, I show up to the venue. I've got all my stuff. Already, like this is back when I prepared, like I had notes and everything else. And yep. so I was like, ready to go for Tepe. And uh, they get off stage from soundcheck and Tepe's like, man, I don't know what happened, but all our press canceled for the day. Do you just want to do everybody? And I was like, fuck. Okay. So we went down underneath the stage where the, the green room is, the crystal ballroom. And I'm using my blue Yeti and I have it set to stereo not to like omnidirectional and we're sitting in a circle. <laughs> the opening band starts sound checking upstairs and they have like, like eight Oh eights and stuff like big stuff. Everything's rattling. So you can hear me. You can hear Dustin. You can hear Eddie Riley's on the other side. So you can't hear him at all. Tempe's <laughs> on the other side and he speaks very quietly. Uh, so you can't hear him at all. And you just hear the sound check at one point. Dustin picks up the Yeti on the stand and slides a piece of pita bread under it because he's worried the bass is going to come through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good laugh about that, but then I got emails. <laughs> that was the first episode that really blew up big because Thrice posted it to their socials. 
When they yeah, did that, that it crashed my website. And, but then I get all these emails like, what is going on with the audio? It's terrible. Like, what is this? <laughs> and this is the, for the world's first <laughs> exposure to your yeah, podcast. Yeah, like right? a big scale. And I, <laughs> so I vowed to get every member individually on the show after that to make up for that. And I've done that now. Good for you. Uh, but it took years to get it done. But now I feel better because like you listen to that episode, <laughs> just don't listen to that episode. It was, I thought it was good. It was a good interview, but like there was a lot there you can't hear. So it probably sounds like a terrible interview because half the stuff you can't hear. It just goes <laughs> quiet, but I left it up. I left it up there. I won't take it down. I'll leave it up there. People can laugh at my mistakes, but um, do you have episodes like that where you just messed everything? Like you were talking about August Burns Red being an awful zoom recording, but like have you had the, like the, the, the end piece of it is okay. I've, I've had one that I've had to scrap completely. And that was just because me and the guests were far too drunk. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and it's me and my bassist. Uh-huh. And it's every time we go into the UK, my drummer wakes up the morning of and says, don't get too drunk tonight <laughs> because we've got to take that ferry and y'all got to go out. You got to show your paperwork. Mm-hmm. You got to be a proper, you know, human musician. That's, that's not going to destroy their, their beautiful country. And every single time, <laughs> <laughs> cryptopsy rolls through that ferry were destroyed so this happened yeah. uh, we were on tour with aborted uh benighted cytotoxin and we were going into the uk and me and my bassist were a bit toasty and at four o'clock in the morning after going through customs and because my bassist sorry ollie i'm gonna throw you under the bus here was a bit too too intoxicated we missed the ferry oh. now we had to sit there and wait for the next ferry so we recorded a podcast <laughs> interview that never came out 45 minutes yeah what 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 do we talk i don't know what we talked about but so i had him on the podcast a few weeks after that we had come home i think two months later i had him Mm -hmm. back on the podcast and i released that episode and in the outro of that episode i I included a snippet of the episode that could not be aired (laughs) (laughs) you can it was just it was too much but like technical side of things no there's like weird ones in the beginning uh where we're backstage and there's like an annoying fan humming the whole time And that, you know, when I tried to do the whole editing of removing the sound of that fan, but that ends up just sounding more annoying. So I'm I'm at the point where I just accepted it. And if it's a constant droning sound in the background, it's not so bad as opposed to something coming in. Yeah. But uh, nothing that's been too bad, too unusable. I've been really lucky. That's good. You never lost an episode file corrupted or just anything like that so f- yeah. nope, so far i've been same, very very lucky same here very lucky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i had uh well i just had jill be offer from the dead kennedy's on and uh i was wow. like losing my mind because it's been like three years i've been trying to get him and that was another one all of a sudden word of mouth all right how about wednesday what okay and so we did it and i got a new piece of gear and i was recording on that like the roadcaster pro but I didn't notice I hit the multi-track function. So it recorded all 10 tracks, like full uh, memory. And Jello and I went like two, two hours and 45 minutes. So the file was 16 gigs for the interview. <laughs> yeah. And it wouldn't transfer to my computer. And I had to transfer it off of a memory card. Luckily, the memory card wasn't corrupted. But like it took me two hours just to get the pieces into my audition with enough memory left on my computer to to bounce them down to one file. It was insane. I thought I lost it. I thought it was over. And I was like, what? 
like that was not a good two moment. hours and 45 minutes of, of like <laughs> me just like holy shit i'm talking to jello biafra almost gone but we've, we've saved it but i was here till like one in the morning trying to get it together it's fucked up man but at 5 a.m the we, next day we sucked. got it we got it yeah and five, <laughs> yes it did suck but it was worth it i woke up and i was like i still have that awesome okay it's gonna come out but yeah you, you've you've had a lot of white whales though, I, so, so are there any white whales left that you haven't nailed down dude yet? there's a bunch like they keep they keep coming out of the water man <laughs> like i've knocked I down a lot you got chino chino was that's a big white whale yeah. yeah chino that was a whole that was a whole nother experience um which continues to this day like it, that's the thing like there's white whales but then like have you noticed the people you have on that you weren't friends with be, to begin with you start to keep in touch with them like it it's like a uh, like i guess you could say like 213 episodes i've been on 213 first dates and most of them have gone well luckily to where yeah we still keep in touch it's kind of a weird way to look at it but it's weird how how much closer you get to somebody spending an hour talking to them than you do for thousands of text messages or, you know, email exchanges, you know, it's the way it used to be like in school where you say, Hey, can I call you today? <laughs> yeah, you can call me, you know, and if my mom's not using the internet like, or, or the dial up and you talk to a girl or talk to a dude for, for an hour, just about whatever, but you got so close to that person and you don't have to do that anymore. And that's where it gets weird. Like, with what we're doing it just it just opens up these doors but like as far as white whales go like tim armstrong uh we knew each other back in the early 2000s from playing a few festivals and stuff and warp tour but we lost touch and now it's like an enigma just gone we have so many mutual friends friends that work directly with him on a daily basis but he just doesn't do a lot of podcasts so he's a white whale like uh, i would love to talk to him you know like um there's just, there's a lot of people that just the most of my white whales that I have not gotten to yet don't do podcasts or don't do like that thing. So it's going to take more long form. It's the long form. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I text Lars from Metallica. I got his number from a buddy of mine who said, you can't tell him where you got it, but here's his number. See if you can get him on the show. No response. That was where I was freaking out. You had to figure out okay, I get one text message shot at making this happen. What am I going to put it? Is it too long? Is it too short? And uh, what was your pitch? Dude, it was, it was a long one. It was a long one. I was just like, dude, <laughs> I was listing off like our mutual friends. Like, dude, I'm not a creep. Like this is legit, <laughs> but you can ask, you know, these six people that have been on my show or know about the show. Like this is a real thing. I know it's weird, but let's do this and nothing. So, uh, we made a, I made a promo shot from one of my promo shots and I put like fake quotes on it. Like one of them was from Kurt Cobain. It just says, what else can I say? Like, which is lyrics from a song. It's a quote, not about me <laughs> but, or uh, the, the, the best man or the best man in non-media Howard Stern. Uh, and the other one is, I don't see anything wrong with eating chicken wings in the bathtub. Lars, Lars Ulrich. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just going to text that to him. We've decided that now Johnny Christ and I like just text it to him and just see what happens. No explanation. Just like, what the fuck? 
Maybe I will respond to this guy. Who knows? Anyway, what about your white whales? Do you have white whales? Oh, there's some big ones still. I'd love to get Corey Taylor. Okay. I think that would be interesting. I don't know if you've had. I have not, but I have ties to him. If you like, maybe the right path to to take. If you don't through through cryptopsy. No, no, no. Cryptopsy. Well, actually, no. The 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 new bassist is a fan. I know that. So there is that road. Okay. Uh, Devin Townsend would be super sick. Canadian yeah. metal royalty right I there. get requests for him all the time. I've, I've get, I've, listeners want me to talk to Devin Townsend. I've never reached out to him. He's wild. Yeah, he's wild. Dude. I have, but he, it was the whole, I get the whole beer thing. Mm. That, that, that causes a hiccup. Is he sober? Which he was for a while. I've heard that he's okay. back. I don't, I don't, I don't know that for certain, but he didn't, I don't know. So, so I get that hiccup. Mm-hmm of the, the beer thing being an obstacle yeah. so which is why i did you know sober february mm-hmm. and i do do interviews with people that don't drink like yeah. yourself right now yeah we can you have dave a, shapiro on that the, was a the, great the drink, episode oh thank you the drinking is just an icebreaker yeah. yeah it's just like friends going out and having a drink and having mm-hmm. a chat doesn't matter if one drinks or one the other doesn't yeah some people are worried that i'm just going to talk about craft beer the whole time dude as opposed to actually talking about the person I'm with. Yeah, <laughs> you should do. There's a couple. There's a couple podcasts I think you should do or do or or connect with. One is called Brutally Speaking. Uh, my buddy John Beatty. It's B R E W. Brutally speaking, and they do like yeah, of course it is craft beer and and uh, and music, heavy music a lot. Um, he's great, and he. I tried to get him on the network. It didn't happen, but um, I think you guys would be good together on on your shows both, and then. Uh, a buddy Scott Bowling, who actually had Corey Taylor, he went to Corey's house in Vegas and had him on. Um, but Scott likes to, he does a, like a YouTube, uh, it's called Good Company with Bowling. And he does like a YouTube show where he flies you down to Atlanta to his house. He records a couple different people throughout the day, feeds you, um, you know, uh, has you picked up at the airport, brought over, brought to your, get your hotel, uh, makes it a whole experience. It's like a hobby for him. He loves it. And it's awesome. But he had Corey's wife on, I believe. Or Corey's wife is friends with whoever does his video production. And that's how he got connected to Corey. And then actually flew out to Corey's place and, and did it there. Um, so we're all connected. I love it. Just, you know, that six degrees of separation. Yeah. It's amazing. You, anybody in the world you're connected to somehow. Very, and if you look hard enough, that's amazing. And something that I've just recently, probably in the past year with the Mm -hmm. podcast, that I'm not afraid of hearing the words no anymore. The word no anymore. I'd rather ask and get that thought out of my head than than have it sit there and be afraid to ask. But don't take no. Sit (laughs) with no. Wait six months and hit him again. Because your entire life can change in six months. That's wise. You can almost conceive and have another child in six months, close to, like close. Maybe you didn't know you were pregnant and you found out two months <laughs> in and shit, I have a kid now and I want to do this show, you know, or think of what can change in six months. Mm, that's wise. Respectfully hit them back in six And I will say, this is not my idea. This is Devin or Darren, <laughs> get to, uh, Darren Pfeiffer from Goldfinger has a podcast called, uh, uh, the, the dangerous Darren show. And he was talking about this is his way. Like he'll reach out. If they say no, he's like, cool. Uh, but I'm going to put a note on my calendar six months. I'll hit you back. And he does that <laughs> until eventually they'll say like a hard no, like, please do not reach out to me again. And then he'll wait a year. 
<laughs> you know, so wow. like, wow, that's persistent. I love it. That's how. That's how it works. That's how you work. You know, maybe it's not the right time. And any time that's happened where someone has agreed later, goddamn, I'm glad it happened then, because I was either not ready or things have happened in the meantime that really made it a better conversation. You know. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Are there episodes that you wish you could do again? Something that you didn't go the way you wanted? Man, that's a, that's a good... I've never been asked that question before, and... That's a great question. I don't know. Hmm. The one, I will say the one episode that did not go how I wanted it to go. You may know, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. It's not a negative thing, but, uh, do you know Logan Mater from Machine Head? The name sounds very Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. So he was one of the original ones I reached out to when I first started the show. He was a buddy of mine. Is he the, is he the one? No. No, 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 no. He's not the one. No. <laughs> but, it, but the story goes like, I don't know why he didn't say no, because, hmm. and it may be, we, we met when we were recording my band, the burning room uh, that I did in between Portugal, the man and Nami of ghost was recording in, LA, in North Hollywood uh, at a studio that was in the same compound as his. So we hung out then and kind of got close. He was doing um, a record with uh, bands called Assassino. It's, um, like super extreme metal Dino from fear factory, Andreas from Sepultura, Tony from static X. It's all in Spanish and it is some fucked up lyrics. Like, uh, it, it's brutal. They all wear masks. Like it's, it's like disturbing, but Logan was doing that record and we came in and did some gang vocals on it. Cause we were there. Dino kept shitting in the bathroom that was by the vocal booth in our, <laughs> So he's like, dude, just come do some, I'm sorry, just, just come do some gang vocals. <laughs> so Logan and I meet then, and I hit him up. And so he comes on and I'm all stoked to do it. Like it was like in the evening time, kids are asleep and he just seemed really not into it. Like I'd ask him a question and it would kind of be like, uh, well, I get like, he would answer like, why am I answering this question? You know, which maybe was just a personality thing. Like he didn't mean to do it that way. But that's when I ended at like 30 minutes because I was like, I just can't do this. So I really wish it went differently. Maybe he was not having the best night. Maybe, you know, um, because I love Logan. He's great. Like, and we can talk and have a conversation. But for some reason, when the, the recording button went on, it changed to like awkward interview. So 
I've never faulted him for it, but it's crazy, crazy, self-conscious. I wish, yeah, maybe. And I wish it went differently. I really do. But I still put it out um, because, it, you know, I thought it was it was there. But that's the one that came to mind immediately when you said that was like, I wish it went differently. Um, but as far as I kind of view each of them as their own moment in time. So I've mm-hmm. never really looked back and thought about it that way, except for that one. That was like episode 15 mm. or something like that. It was really early on, maybe 14. But uh, for myself, it would be Dope Throne. I had first time I had two people on the ooh, podcast. That's a tough one when you do it like we with, do. with one mic, with one mic. And it was backstage, Heavy Montreal. So this was like we had 15 minutes and I don't like time restrictions yeah. in the first place. But 15 minutes is very hard to get anything mm-hmm anything done and they were very very intoxicated oh, shit. <laughs> so and then they sort of came across as if they didn't like me mm-hmm. so i just laughed it off with them got through the interview and then about a year later uh vince shout out to vince um wrote me privately mm-hmm. and said i just listened to it i i so sorry um we were you know had enjoyed a bunch of beer that day it was sunny it was super hot mm-hmm. and uh you know it it wasn't our intention to make you feel that way and i so i offered him to come back on and we still haven't scheduled it but we will dude i should reach out to logan and try to do it again because maybe it was the same thing but that one microphone so you for you and the guest no no i always have two okay. one for myself but and, they were sharing but then you know they're, they're and then it always sounds like shit when yep. i do that if so. they're wearing rings I, or I anything like, like, like that, that. <laughs> like it's clicking around <laughs> anytime you hold if you're holding the mic like yeah i that's another great thing about these things is that people won't cup the mic that's a good point they can't i when i had lord worm on lord worm the original cryptopsy uh-huh. singer he was like, I hate this thing. I can't cup the mic. And then, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he needed to <laughs> cup the mic my, my, <laughs> Because that's how he holds it. That's yeah. how in his mind, that's how he holds a microphone. Yeah. If he, oh. With his, with his leather gloves. Yeah. yeah. Dude. That was my one year anniversary party. Lord Worm, uh, live at Turbo House, <laughs> 60 people, packed house. Uh, first time I did like a, the first and only time I did a live interview. It was, it was, well, no, now I do it on Thursday, Thursdays once yeah. a month, but, um, in a venue it was awesome and, and i had set it up so that we were facing yeah. each other on stage and he showed up early and he came up on stage and he turned the chair <laughs> towards the audience his <laughs> chair and i was like okay okay we're in for a show yeah. tonight and he was amazing it's one of my favorite Dude, that's awesome yeah. did you how how long have you been in cryptopsy since 2007 2007 shit yeah I may not have seen you with Cryptopsy then. I've seen Cryptopsy twice, but it, I was working the shows. So I wasn't like okay. watching actively. Uh, I want to say one show was with Suffocation. I, I know of that tour. Okay. I've heard of, about that tour, but that was not My me, first but. time procuring yeah. weed for a band I wasn't in. Just because I was local <laughs> from town. I was like, for, crypto, for, no, for Suffocation. Oh, the guitar Terrence, player. Yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah, she's like, dude, can you? Can you He's another one. I, I want to get Terrence on dude, the podcast. He's great, and the, I I love those shows. There was, but every time there was like an extreme metal show, there was like seven bands, and it was just crazy. And every every drummer has a rack, <laughs> and like it yep. was just the whole venue was drums. <laughs> was just, what did you do at the venue, dude? Uh, what's that? What what were you doing at the venue? Oh, what, what was your job? So. I was at first I was just a bouncer, like just security. And then I became a production manager. So I was the local contact for running the shows. Um, 
So if I wasn't like in the crowd, like uh, we had like a separate area for 21 and over things like that, checking IDs. If I wasn't doing that, I was dealing with the tour managers and the, the um, front house guys and things like that and coordinating that kind of stuff. And then settling at the end of the night, that kind of business um, that I did for a while. But then I also lived upstairs. It, so it sucked. Really? Yeah. yeah. And the basement was <laughs> Did anyone have to spaces. drive you? Did anyone have to drive you to the ATM? No. Cause we always, that was always <laughs> covered. Like the guarantees were already always covered. Um, through, we were working with a uh, promoter, uh, Jeff King banana here in, in Portland that, um, he always knew like he was, he was good to go. Like he never screwed anyone over, which was nice for me. Cause the nights I was there without him, I had to settle and we always had, I mean, we always had the guarantees covered. Um, we have driven people to an ATM though on tour myself. <laughs> These were small shows Hell like yeah. California, like going to their parents' house <laughs> to get money. But I did do, I did do Sepultura's laundry. Uh, when I was first starting at Did the club, you? because they're like, Hey, if I put you on the clock now, will you go do the stage clothes laundry for Sepultura's in their rider? And I, I didn't take care of it. And I was like, that's in okay. their rider. So that's yeah. smart. So I actually took, this was two years after hanging out with Andreas, like as peers doing music together to then washing his <laughs> stage clothes for 10 bucks an hour cash. So I was like, all right, I've really, I've really that's made some more moments. decisions in my life. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of money, at what point did you realize that you could start making money podcast? Uh, was it right from the beginning, or or did you go for a bit and then I went it? for a bit. I went for a long time uh, before I figured it out. I realized you could barter for things like yeah. mattresses and clothes and uh, care products and like it, socks, like whatever you could. They're way more apt to work with you as a smaller show if you just say, "Oh, we'll just trade." merch like uh or coffee we had coffee delivered i don't drink up my wife does but like we had coffee delivered to the house from stumptown coffee for like a year every month every two weeks it would show up um and you would just talk about yeah. it that's it and and but then when jabberjaw came around then we really started looking into like how can we make money from this and that mm. was where uh different companies came on board like merch table and rockabilia and stuff and those were all deals i didn't see the the specifics Cause I was just a host and it would just trickle down to me for however many downloads I had. There was a network deal that, yeah, that's, that's the whole point of a network aside from establishing like a group of, of like-minded people. The whole point of a network is to be able to sell advertising across a wider platform. So, well, this one show gets 5,000 downloads a week, but all of these shows together, we don't have, we we don't have, we don't have rogue numbers. Yeah. And no one does. But no. the, literally no one does like he is it. I don't know how, but it, it's a great show, but there's a lot of great shows. He just struck early and was consistent mm-hmm. and he's great, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, Rogan numbers is like, he's like Led Zeppelin, man. He's like, you know, the Rolling Stones, like there's just not another, like there's peers to that, but nowhere near um, where we're at. But you can sell advertising. Like we get a hundred thousand downloads a week cause we have 30 shows. You sell yeah. the package and then trickle it down. So everyone gets a little piece. That's kind of the whole point of a network, I think. Um, so that's when I started like looking into that was when I started to, I was actually going to leave Jabberjaw and go to EVR equal vision on its own. But then Mike was like, Hey, we may be working this deal out with sound talent. And I was like, Oh, Dave. Okay. Well, let's see what happens. And that's why we did like the dual deal. Um, 
But yeah. Because that happened at the same, same time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is awesome. Um, the Equal Vision deal was inked before the Sound Talent because it took longer for the Sound Talent paperwork to get over. Um, but it all happened at the same time as far as working out what we were going to do. But yeah, what about you? Like, I was lucky. I I fell into Sound Talent through Heavy Montreal because Heavy Montreal is a huge promoter mm-hmm. here in Montreal. They're they're Montreal's premier metal promoter. Whatever any big bands come through, Heavy Montreal is the one presenting it. They also put on a huge festival uh, in the summer, and it's it. I've played Whack and I've played, you know, Summer Breeze. I've yeah. played all the fests, and Heavy, Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them just the best equipment the best catering uh the best sound it's it's amazing so so i teamed up with them to start releasing some episodes and trying to get some guests to come onto the podcast like some of their guests that have played heavy montreal throughout the mm-hmm. summer this past summer is when that happened and they had reached out to tim Bohr to try to book a, a book a guest i think it was clutch okay I think that's what what that that relationship, which is the first one of the first Heavy Montreal presents Box and Ops episodes, yeah. and he was like, "You got to talk to Dave. He's setting up a network, and this Vox and Hop sounds like they should be a part of this. It, it seems perfect." So that's how I ended up on Sound through Town. Tim. That's yeah. awesome. Or through JF Michaud, who was talking to okay. Tim. To and then eventually I started having phone calls with Dave. Dude, Tim Tim Borer is a a gem of a human being. That guy is awesome. He's one of the best booking agents around, but also an amazing story. But then he also has like, he's just the sweetest dude. So the fact that you have Dave and Matt Anderson and Tim Bohr and like all, all in one, like I, I joke about them being like the Jerry Maguire where they're like, you know what? We don't like, how I say, I, I say, I say it all dude, the time, but, but then Dave <laughs> will say, well, Jerry Maguire brought one client with him. We brought everybody <laughs> wants to make that clear, uh, which of course they did like, all right, we're going to leave and we're going to take everyone except maybe one client. It's amazing. Incredible to have that freedom. But then yeah, Tim is, Tim is just a sweetheart and, and, uh, he's, uh, having him on all it just it's awesome there's just so many good people and if people people should listen to your episode with dave because um with uh dave shapiro my episode with dave shapiro was more about the launch of velocity records so we didn't go in depth like you guys did and i think your episode with him is much better to listen to to get a picture of who dave shapiro is because uh i, I that was a great episode. A whole origin yeah, yeah. Oh, thank he you. Was, it was a great episode <laughs> like that was the first episode i heard of ox and hops Cause that was, I heard a box oh. through the network and I was like, Oh yeah, Dave on. Okay. I'm going to check this out. And it was, yeah, that was awesome. I think it was important. I always like to show my listeners what's going on. Yeah. I'm always very transparent about what's happening in the podcast world, my world of the podcast. Yeah. So, so I wanted to, to like paint a picture of what sound talent is because mm-hmm. I had just launched on it. Yeah. And it's, I discovered that I could make money with the podcast. Thanks to sound mm-hmm. talent. Cause I, I, we were undervaluing ourselves a lot. Yeah, we all were. I had done a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I had done like a lot of stuff like where at first when I launched, I was like, no, no, I can't do this. I can't promote your band unless you're going to pay me. And they were like, well, we have nobody. So <laughs> I quickly stopped asking for money because I just thought that no one was going to pay. And then I, you know, I did a bunch of stuff like I, I get anytime the doorbell rings, uh, my kids go, daddy beer's here. <laughs> You know, I get a lot of, you know, stuff, product giving yeah. to me to, to try and to, to promote, but there's no money tied to yeah. that. So, so that, that happened 
pretty early on that happened that people wanted me to promote some stuff going on in the the Quebec craft beer scene which is awesome and I love it sure you know I need to drink beer I like to drink beer anyway so I'm that fixes one problem but to, to actually make money from the podcast really it was probably in December of the previous mm-hmm. year so we've been just trying to think me and jessica trying to figure out ways how can we could be creatively engaging our audience and making it genuine because I, I don't want to just put ads for anything yeah sound talent has pitched us a few ads and i'm like no i won't do that i'm, mm-hmm. I'm not i'm same boat it has, and, they, they're, and they're and they're amazing because they don't force us to do anything yeah. it's it's amazing so so we just want it to be genuine we want it to be a true experience for the podcast, I very luckily have a friend that started a killer hot sauce company mm-hmm. uh, called Heartbeat Hot Sauce, and they have some been sponsoring the podcast since January. So, so that's awesome, and I love hot sauce. Yeah, so I do too. If I love it, then I, I don't mind having it on the podcast. So, so Heartbeat Hot Sauce rules, and uh, I'm stoked about that. So, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to we're trying to think creatively more than just ads yeah. of how the podcast can. Grow. Are you guys going to do a premium? Or like a Patreon? Oh, yes. I wanted to talk about that with you. You just launched that. I will, but I don't think the time is right. Okay. I respect that. I don't think that... I don't think that I have enough listeners, honestly. Okay. That's that's my honest, honest answer. What what makes you think that, though? Like, what makes you you, um, look at it that way? I'm just curious because... From the research that we've mm-hmm. done, a premium account, it's about 5 to 10% of your listeners that will engage mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And it's a lot from, from like, we can talk about what you're doing, what you're launching, because you just, just launched this, so it's super fresh, and I definitely wanted to ask you about okay. it. But it's, it's always going to be extra work. Yeah. A lot of extra work, so. <laughs> well. It has to sort of balance out. You got to think about who's listening, too. Um, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. One, a couple lessons I've been taught through doing this is is who's listening. Like if you know, like there's now people that listen to this show that were in my record collection since I was 13 years old that listen to every episode and comment on it and let me know what they think of certain things. So when I do have a smaller band on or something, I know in my mind and my heart that they are going to get listened to by so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so ties into who's listening. But if I see like a hundred, a hundred listeners a week. Which in podcasting yeah. is actually a pretty good number. A hundred listeners a week compared to if you think of all the podcasts out there that maybe get five or ten listens, you also gotta listen. It ties true to that. You gotta think of who's listening. Who are those five people? Is it Barack That's Obama, uh, uh Mick Jagger, you know, whoever like those five people listening might be pretty cool if you get five downloads a week. <laughs> but you think if, so Matt Carter put it to me this way and i don't know who put it to him but say you get 100 people listen to your podcast every week say you walked out in your backyard and there's 100 people in your backyard what that would look like and they were just sitting there like hey talk to us for an hour be pretty fucking cool you know you've done whack and you've you've gone out in front of massive crowds massive crowds start to disappear after row five like you can't you can see them moving and you can see them like flipping you off or whatever but you can't you can't, they don't meet. It's not that they don't mean anything, but what's really important is right there in front. Like that's who you're focused on. So if you got a hundred people listening a week, those people are, you know, that's your people, you know? And, and so 
I was always worried in the beginning about numbers. Like, man, why aren't we doing these crazy numbers? Like we should be, you know, like it was stupid to think that, but that's where Matt put it in perspective. Like, dude, you got this many people listening to your show. Like imagine them in front of you. It really, it's a cool thing. So that always kept me motivated to keep going. But, um, so I was curious where, where that, cause that's a good, per, that's a good statistic, you know, five to 10% are going to act on when you say, Hey, you need to check this band out. You need to buy this product. Hey, email me your thoughts on those yes. calls, call to actions. Yeah. You can take those amount of emails that show up and do the math. And you, it's about what your listenership is. It's almost exact. It's crazy that that's the thing. Like one person may be more influential than others, but it's really across the board. Like that's how many people are going to, are going to do it. So that makes sense. But I was just curious where that came from. Um, well, you waited four, almost five years before going pretty. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I did like, I opened Patreons and stuff, but I never had anything to put in them. It was like, kind of just like, Hey, support mm. the show. So people would support the show for a couple months and be like, Oh, I'm not getting anything for this. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, put it, put it out. But the hard part with the premium is, is I put everything out there in the show. Like I don't edit stuff out. I don't have extra content. Um, so we decided to do like the zoom videos that would normally go to YouTube. I don't have a YouTube presence. So I was like, you know what? Let's just put those in the premium because not everyone's going to watch them. And the people that really want to, you know, we can have them in like a private spot where people can watch. And, um, so that's in there. There's, um, the past cast, which is another podcast that I do on the side where a podcast host and I will do like two or three episodes. They pick their favorite episodes and we'll do a deep dive into them and pick them apart. Like how I got the guest, where I was, stories that came from it, things that came from it, other guests that came from it, what they took from it, lessons learned, things like that. And they're about 30, 40 minutes an episode. I think I have like 10 episodes in there now. Um, but the best part is the way you and I work, you're booking way out but you have the same amount in the can that I do pretty much. So, but even though I'm booking out like week, 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 usually sitting on eight to 10 episodes with the premium, the way I set it up, once I'm done with the episode, the video goes into the private Vimeo service, which then feeds to my premium. So like the other day, Hey, Randy from Lamb of God's coming on at noon by two o'clock. You're going to be able to watch it or you can wait a month and a half for it to come out. So people really enjoy that. Like, oh, shit, he's talking to Randy today. Okay, when I get off work, I'm going to go home and watch that episode. So, and it's just, it's uncut. Unless someone asks me to take something out, I'll absolutely go in and do that. It's happened maybe three times over the course of four and a half years. Um, But I'll absolutely do that. But people get to to go in and watch that. So that's the biggest comment I get is, dude, I totally just like checked out the episode you did today. You know? Um, So that's another thing. And we don't charge a lot for it. Uh, but it definitely helps. So, we, and every week more stuff goes in the premium. If I do three episodes, there's three more unreleased videos. There's usually two more past cast and then uh, uh, just the access. I mean, you get access to everything right there. You have my entire, not my Dropbox, because I don't want to somehow get that hacked, but you get my whole <laughs> catalog right there, you know, at your fingertips, which is cool. I do think it's interesting just dropping the the Zoom chat right away because there's no work for you, extra work, really. A little bit at the end of just like compressing it and and putting it down and branding it. But like that's something I would normally 
I would at least upload it to my Dropbox so I know when I leave the studio, I'm not losing the file. You can get it at home, and yeah, yeah. And I can send it to Dan. Like, see, how do you think this episode went? Um, but yeah, when you put everything out there, it's really hard to come up with premium content because everyone's getting most of it for free because it's it's on the show, and it'll always be that way. So finding creative ways to be somewhat inventive in the premium side has been a struggle, but I think we've stacked it with enough stuff that it's, it's going to be something cool. Um, that's just going to continue, you know, I think it's some of the, one, one of the coolest ones that I've seen. That's all. Dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's, I, I hope you do it soon because I think you guys could do a lot in there. You know what I mean? Like there's there, if you think not necessarily outside the box, but just think about, you know, what your listenership wants, you know, whether it's small or big, what they want. Like I, I went to, um, I went to Dave and Dan and was like, we talk a lot about mental health on this show. Like a lot. Uh-huh. We get in some deep shit. And I was like, why don't we reach out to some of these companies that deal with like, not necessarily I'm rambling here, but finding what my listenership needs not necessarily what they want, but what they need. That's, that's, that's lesson number one. Yeah. Right there. So like, let's reach out to these companies that could help these people that are reaching out to me with these very lengthy emails about stuff they're going through. Why don't we have stuff like that available to them on the episode right there so they can make that choice that they wouldn't have looked for themselves. So we've been trying to work with companies like that and, and, and figure out our demographic and be, value added to our listenership versus trying to sell them something if that makes sense yeah but um no it does yeah i just want it to be a one-stop shop where people can really get an immersive effect like they already know they're getting everything real but to be able to get to be able to watch it live like what we're doing right now a lot of people reached out saying where's the videos like i want to see this mm-hmm. like really okay like and that and it works like they're into it, but like, <laughs> I was like, you really want to see me, you know, talking to somebody or, or listening to somebody for an hour? Like, okay. Like that's something they want. So we'll keep doing it. But, um, but yeah, so that's the premium in a nutshell for right now. We're gonna do a lot more video content. Um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I do some Instagram live stuff like you've been on. You popped in too, but I'll record the episode. I was right so there. impressed. I was <laughs> I was so impressed watching you do your intros, <laughs> which is funny because I don't take just one take. I, I do people. I guess <laughs> spend a lot of time on it. Like I just I figure I'm just talking to them. So sometimes you'll see me. I'll kind of close my eyes because I'm just I'm I'm by myself in here. So well, I'll just close my eyes and just like I'm talking to. I'll pick like one person out in my head, and I'm talking to you. You know, like trying to keep it that you know, focused and that helps, um, when you're just doing it on the fly, but that's what radio people have to do, right? Like they have to get it in one shot. You can't screw that up, you know, (laughs) and, uh, watching my dad do it when I was a kid, you know, on Thursday nights, just, okay, you gotta be quiet now. Okay. Boom. Hey, it's big John, blah, 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 like doing his thing. And I was just like, all right. Like it was one of those things where it just kind of like gets ingrained in you, you know, how to, gloss over the the flubs and the freudian slips and whatever else <laughs> but I, i've just learned to if, if i fumble my words i just 
pick it up right away right after, yeah. but you just repeat a few words before. It makes editing very easy. Yeah. See, I notice people do that when I'm on other podcasts. Like, they'll say, and, 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 and I'm like, that's an editing <laughs> trick right there, isn't it? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I just match the levels and, and export it and, and hopefully it's good. But, you know. What is the best piece of advice that you've received from someone else in the podcasting world? Is Are there still podcasters that you look up to? Oh, yeah. Um, what would be that, that tip that you got that really pushed you further? Um, do, well, the, the tip that got me, like I was saying earlier with Matt, Matt Carter really has been influential for me because we were really good friends to be. So I trust his opinion. He's very honest to a fault. Um, but what he was saying about like, it's not how many people listen, it's who listens. Um, the, the biggest, the biggest, so that's a good piece of advice. But the one thing I really learned early on is it does not matter who the guest is. Like it doesn't matter how big the guest is, I guess not. It it matters who the guest is, but how big the guest is. If you want your show to be successful, people have to listen to the show for you even if you don't say anything like there's episodes I haven't said anything like cause the person just goes off and I'll let them because I don't want to interrupt them. You know, I'll chime in here and there, but there's episodes, entire episodes I've said maybe four words, but still people will listen to that and then keep listening to episodes. So if they listen for you, you're going to have a successful show because you're the one constant. They have to enjoy mm-hmm. listening to you. Otherwise, they're going to come listen to Mick Jagger and they're never going to listen to another one. Right. So when I had my buddy Andrew from Fallout Boy on, in my mind, I'm like, man, this is going to be huge. This is the episode. They they put it on their Facebook page, 9.6 million Facebook followers. It was viewed 86,000 times. The the promo was viewed 86,000 times in less than 30 minutes insane like stuff started going crazy his episode did less than johnny from the blood brothers who did his first podcast with me substantially less and that is nothing against andrew but it shows that it doesn't matter how big the guest is if they don't come for you and uh that flash in the pan holy shit eighty six thousand people you know viewed this promo and my podcast they know the name now and I got like three more followers on Instagram, right? Ooh. So it's that flash in a pan and it's gone, you know? So that was one of the most important lessons because then you're, you're chasing all these massive people because they're in a big band, not because you're genuinely interested in what they have to say. And, and if you're genuinely interested, you'll never need a note. You'll never need a, a, a piece of paper you'll go into it like genuinely curious. Like you are like where you're saying you were the guy backstage always asking questions and like digging into things. That's some, that's not something you learn how to do. Like you either know how to do it or you don't. And that's in you. So you can do that. Like that's what makes you a great host. That's why people will come back to listen to the show. Not because corpse grinders on, you know, of course it's a bonus if they're into cannibal corpse, but they want to hear you talk to that person. They'll look at the guest, the guest list and say, oh, fuck yeah, I want to listen to him. What's he going to ask him about? You know, they want to know how you navigate it because they're living through what you do. You know, they can't go talk to Corpse Grinder. They can't do it, but you can. 
And so you're the conduit. Matt Pinfield said it, that you're the conduit between the fan and the musician because they can't do it themselves a lot of the time due to access or maybe too scared. You're that conduit. So that's why he said, even if I don't like the band I'm talking to, I have to be into them for the fan who's listening to them through me, which I don't have to have that problem because I like, <laughs> I want to talk to people I'm genuinely interested in. I don't same, work for MTV. Same. I don't have to just take this, you know? Um, but I, I follow those, those, uh, those leads the same way where you're that, you're that conduit, you know, you're taking this listenership that's ever growing on a journey with you. So you have to respect that. And that's, so that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, is, uh, they have to listen to the show for you to, to be successful, uh, sustainably. If that makes sense. That's a very, very, very good approach. What about you? What have you, what have you learned? What is your big lesson in, in podcasting through this for you? Oh, that's funny. I always ask that question. I never, <laughs> I never answered it. <laughs> I think just the consistency, the hustle, the work, mm-hmm. uh, I like to spread positivity. Yeah. I'm not there to, to get that, that headline. I'm there to talk to the person and I've edited out a whole bunch of stuff that was too spicy that I wouldn't want to get out there. And I would want someone to do that for me as well. And then it's not per request. It's me saying, I don't want this to get Mm -hmm. out there. I guess, guess talking about, you know, too much illicit drugs or stuff like that. It's gone. I I don't want that out Mm -hmm. there. So, so Vox and Hops is about spreading positivity. So, so I think that, that's that's my main goal mm-hmm. with the podcast, and, and the best advice that I could give would be just to spread positivity into this horrible, negative world. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's what I want the podcast to reflect. The advice that I've received, I haven't spoken to enough podcasters to do. You know, I think what you just said was probably the best advice that I just received. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> on, on, honestly, <laughs> uh, you know, t- t- talking to to the human. I, I always talk to human everyone, and I like to. I just still do the press circuit. So like the publicists send me artists sure. and artists are always so relieved to come onto Vox and hops. Cause I'm not asking the standard questions. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that that's important. I, I like to talk to the person. I think that that's amazing. Everything, that, everything you said is, is the, the perfect. Answer. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> there you have it, dude. The, the, I like the integrity that you have, you know, the work ethic and, and, taking that upon yourself to pull stuff like that out. There's a whole group of podcasters that are like the, like the collectors. They like to talk about who said what on their show. And it's just like, man, you, there's a reason those, those things aren't around anymore. You know, like Uh now in the age of the internet, there's a big reason those things aren't around anymore. You know, you didn't have to be sitting in front of your TV at six o'clock to hear so-and-so say this. Uh, Uh It's already there. So I, I don't know if you do this. I know Johnny does this um, from uh, Drinks with Johnny. He sends yep. the audio to the guest and lets them approve it before he makes the episode. I don't do that. But no, there's been no, times no. I've reached out and said, hey, you did say this. Uh, do you want that taken out? And most of the time I'm like, no, just leave it. I'm like, okay, but I'll, I'll reach out um, if it's something that sticks out to me in my mind of something we talked about. or um, I just I just cut it and I don't tell them. Okay. And I just... Yeah, but uh, I had Johnny on. His episode comes out in a mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, but uh, I was very curious about him doing that, about about sending the audio over, just being so... Just just let me know. I'll just edit it out. Yeah. And 
It's very cool. It's very, very cool. It's like sort of a, a huge safety net for any artist that he has. Yeah. On. He's been on the other end of it like you have, you know, like in interviews, like constantly, like he knows, he knows a bad interview before it even starts, you know, just because he's been <laughs> through it so many times. Um, uh, you're using for cry topsy or <laughs> your, your new album is T- terrible. Tell me, Why? Tell me. <laughs> the, yeah, the, those I don't is that in Germany or it's which, the, which one is the, the origin story? The origin story questions that get me the worst, yeah. dude. Yeah, <laughs> I love the fact that you're in early childhood education and sing for a death metal band, like it's it's amazing. <laughs> I just collaborated on children's books too. My wife wrote, uh, and during the pandemic wrote and released two children's oh books. Oh my God. And I collaborated on them. They're awesome. One of them is called, uh, today we're staying home. Uh-huh. And then we just released uh, hidden rainbow. So, so I collaborated basically we have business meetings when we're walking with the kids yeah. and she came up with this idea with her, her friend Jeannie bond that she was working with beforehand. Amazing illustrator. Um, she, so it was basically just reflecting upon family mm-hmm. life uh, during a pandemic, during the heavy lockdown was the first book. So, so it's like everything that happens in that book is what we did here, creating blanket forts and just trying to make, portray some like normalcy of the completely unnormal times that we were Mm -hmm. having. So they wrote, created the book, released it within three weeks, I think. Wow. They just hustled like crazy, got it out there. And then it took a bit longer for hidden rainbow because there was a whole movement of um children drawing rainbows and sticking it on their windows mm-hmm. so that you could see it from the outside so we would go for walks and we would hunt for went rainbows like to motivate the children to move yeah. along you know so <laughs> where's the next rainbow oh there's a rainbow let's run to that yeah. one so from that and that was more like about giving children the power to talk about their emotions and through art uh, which is something that a lot of even adults need help yeah. with which is a very you know music is a very cathartic element mm-hmm. uh, art is a very cathartic element so so that book was uh, to create a discussion about how you're feeling and it's a uh, beautiful gorgeous uh, the the artwork from genie's crazy and we uh, brought in an art therapy uh, person named yanny poon to help us also collaborate on that book and it just dropped it dropped uh, early december and it's it's beautiful I dude that's it. excellent i'm gonna check that out They're, hr from bad yeah. brains is doing uh children books too really? yeah Oh, it's all over the place. This is this is great. Like these are we. Yeah, it's on myceliamedia.com. Myceliamedia.com. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out because my kids. I mean, uh, my son has autism, so he's he's almost ten, but he's he's like reading and and uh, and comprehension levels are about six. So we still read a okay. lot of very okay. like easy children's books. Um, and my daughter's seven, so she's right in that that area too. So. Um, these are very s- simple for young, yeah, young children. They love these uh, right, books. Uh, the, the, the hidden rainbow book. I work a group at the daycare mm-hmm. is obsessed with it. And the educators do an activity where they like go through the rainbow. Cause every page is a different mm-hmm. color. Cause it starts off. The kid is sad. And uh, my, my rainbow is, is gray. And then my heart is gray. And then it goes through and then like all the colors of the rainbow and the kids get up and they have to go find objects in the classroom of all the different colors so they do this all the time they're obsessed yeah, that's excellent this, this group this group this group of my daycare it's it's super super cute that's awesome and i was like my wife my, my wife wrote that book <laughs> they're like whatever <laughs> they don't care about that <laughs> they stuff care. they don't care, they don't at, care all. at all your kids probably don't care and you're in a band like like my kids never cared i try to show them videos and stuff they're like what yeah whatever 
<laughs> they never care. <laughs> they get it. They they understand, yeah. but they don't care. They, they, if it's not Ramstein do hast, yeah. they don't care. <laughs> do you have parents <laughs> at the preschool that that are fans of what you do, or that recognize um, you? No, it hasn't happened okay. yet. I have had a group where a they were very protective of the mothers, and they Googled me halfway through the year, oh. and they were passing around because I never tell them right yeah. away. Now I've been there. I've been working at the center for ten years, so you know they see me throughout the years from from the baby room up until the point where I get them, where they're three, four years yeah. old. So so they know who Matt is, and they know that I'm a musician, sort of. I'm always playing guitar. I have like a little mini Yamaha Junior. Uh-huh guitar that i'm i'm constantly playing guitar even though i don't play guitar yeah. at all in in, <laughs> in real world <laughs> in the musical world but i at work i'm constantly playing guitar so they know who i am so this mother googled me and like passed it around and was very upset <laughs> but it went well because i'm i'm a good educator. yeah they, they enjoy they enjoyed uh, me me taking care they of gotta be able so. to appreciate the both sides you know like the both extremes that's they, they have to like everyone has that other side you know we it, all do it's the yin and the yang exactly it keeps me balanced you found the balance and it's especially extremely humbling mm-hmm. when you come back from tour and you know being on tour you've been there you know yeah. what it is everything's about us what time do you want this or what time do i have to be there because this is happening for mm-hmm. us versus stepping into a classroom full of kids I'm the last person that's important in that yes. moment, you know, so the equalizer. <laughs> I I remember playing Montebello Rockfest. Uh, Cryptopsy was slated to we played in between Marilyn Manson <laughs> and Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Monday, this was Saturday, and then the Monday I was standing and every once in a while we have to do dishes at work. Back in the day, mm-hmm. not so much anymore. So so I'm doing dishes at the daycare <laughs> going Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happened and here i am and yeah mm-hmm, this is okay this is this is life. dude that's the one thing <laughs> with plumbing like guys in my break room or whatever just like how do you do like I, why aren't you doing that anymore like the music i was like if i want to go into that life to this this afternoon i'll go into that life for an hour and a half two hours whatever with whoever it is because they're like who are you talking to this week and i'll tell them like holy shit like yeah but then i'm done like then i can go home and do what i want like <laughs> you know or if i want to go this is before the pandemic but you know uh tuesday i'm flying to fat mike's house to do an episode uh next week i'm flying to mexico city to heaven and hell fest like in the middle of the week like if i want to i'll do it but i don't have to live there that's the difference is i don't have to live that life for months if i don't want to if i want to i can and uh that's how i kind of reconcile it to them that I need both, you know, I've been there so I can go to work plumbing, a building a hospital or whatever. And no, don't have those. What ifs like, I know what I'm missing while I'm here working, but I can also enjoy what I'm doing here. So trying to be present too. That's the, the other thing is, is be present, but also have the, the yin and yang. Well, be able to be comfortable. Both. It falls into that balance mm-hmm. of being present. Yeah. I'm reading Marcus Aurelius books right now. <laughs> if you can tell the stoicism really? stuff, <laughs> Randy got me into Marcus Aurelius and, and the book that he was talking about on his meditations on stoicism. And, and uh, so I ordered it after I had the interview and I texted him. I was like, dude, here we go. So we're jumping into that. So I'm getting in that mode in my head. I love it. Do it. 
Dewey, thank you so, so much. I got my kids locked in a room with their mother. You, I, you, I don't have the equal vision I studio. I love it. Dude, I'm going to be going home right <laughs> after this, right back to the right back to the chaos. This is just the quiet spot I can get to. My house is too old to do it in the basement. So you hear my son screaming, stomping to the floor. I greatly appreciate hanging out Dude, with you. Dude, I've had a blast Talking too, about man. life, music. Um, Stoked to hang out in real yes. life next time Cryptopsy runs through Hopefully soon. your neck of the woods. Yes, right after the apocalypse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. You Thank bet, you buddy. Thank you so, so much. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Now, this was an epic episode. What a great conversation. I've been listening to Dewey for quite some years. And to sit down and to be able to pick his brain, to uh, get some advice from him on how he's become such a successful podcaster was a very special moment. I am so, so stoked uh, that I had the chance to connect with Dewey. I'm even more stoked that he released this conversation on his podcast, The Peer Pleasure, today as well. Um, just so much good advice in there that I've definitely taken to heart and I'm starting to put into effect right now. Really, really appreciated the chat. Thank you so much, Dewey. If you have not checked out his podcast, you absolutely should. The Peer Pleasure Podcast is one of the best out there. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, such as all of the information for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, all of the information for any cool projects I have in the works, such as Vox and Hops' Brutal North America. Get ready for that. It's going to be insane. 23 unique collabs dropping all over the United States and Canada. It's insane. I can't wait until you guys start tasting some of these brews. You also get the links to the updated Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs. And, of course, you'll get the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Spotify and Apple Music and is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. So please do me a favor. Sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. I hope you all have a gorgeous, beautiful weekend. I hope you get to get outside. I hope you get to enjoy some fresh share i will be back next week with three episodes but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops heads yes rock everyone i'm hal schwartz and i'm flynn mcclain together we host none but the brave a podcast dedicated to the music and career of bruce springsteen Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. 
Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.